the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Are you looking for ways to jumpstart your journey to better health, happiness, and a longer life? Today's guest, Dan Butner, has traveled the globe where he's met and cohabitated with people of all ages and experiences to better understand how the way they live contributes to their overall health and longevity. Dan is the founder of The Blue Zones, through which he has revealed secrets of the world's happiest places. Now in his new book, The Blue Zones Challenge, a four-week plan for a longer, better life. He shows that a long, healthy life is possible. Dan joins us today to discuss tips and tricks from the Blue Zones that can help you change your diet, increase activity, and live your purpose. Welcome, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us. What, what, what a treat to be here. So, Dan, your work has been around something called Blue Zones. For those who may be unfamiliar with the term, what is a Blue Zone? So... Uh, about 20 years ago, on assignment for National Geographic and with a grant from the National Institutes on Aging, we set out to, in a sense, reverse engineer longevity. So instead of looking for the answer to living a longer life in a test tube or Petri dish, uh, we hired demographers to, to span the globe and identify areas where people are living statistically, verifiably the longest. And many of these places... Uh, people are making it to their hundreds at the highest rates. They have the highest life expectancy. But mostly they're avoiding the diseases that foreshorten our lives, like diabetes and obesity and, and heart disease and dementia. So we know these people have achieved the outcomes we wanted. And the, the Blue Zone Project really set out to find out exactly what these people are doing and distill it in a way that you know people back home can actually put to work in their lives. And where are the Blue Zones located? The longest-lived women in the world are in Okinawa, Japan. The longest-lived men are in the highlands of Sardinia, Italy. We found an island in Greece called Ikaria, where people are living eight years longer but without dementia. In the Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica, we found an area where people are, are reaching a healthy age 95 at about twice the rate of Americans are, spending one-fifteenth the amount we do on health care. And then in America here, we found the longest livers among the Seventh-day Adventists in Loma Linda, California. After studying these people, what have you learned? What do they know that the rest of us don't? You know, the ironic answer is nothing. And that's the point of this own challenge, because people who actually make it to 100 are not trying. They're not on some heroic diet or, or uh, doing CrossFit or calling an 800 number, buying supplements. Uh, they're living their life. And the key insight here is that um, if you want to live longer, don't try to change your behavior because you'll probably fail in the long run. The secret is to shape your environment so the healthy choice is the easy choice, which is not only how people in blue zones achieve uh, making it to 100, but uh, it's the premise of the blue zone challenge, how to set up your, your, your life so that longevity ensues. Tell us about the Blue Zones Power Nine. Yeah, it, the idea was that we found the common denominators, nine common denominators 
among the people who actually live the longest. And we arrived at this through doing meta-analysis and using epidemiology. So no matter where you go in the world and there are long-lived people, first of all, they're eating mostly a whole food plant-based diet, very high in, brace yourself, complex carbohydrates like beans, nuts, greens, and grains. We know they can identify their sense of purpose. People who have a sense of purpose live about eight years longer than people who are rudderless. They put their family first. They tend to belong to a faith. We know that adds four to 14 years. They practice sacred daily rituals like prayer, meditation, and even taking naps, which reverse stress. And they have strategies for setting up their kitchen so they're mindlessly eating fewer calories. And therein lies, I think, the big idea. So, Dan, you claim that if a person is overweight, suffering from diabetes, heart disease, or even several kinds of cancer, it's probably not our fault. What do you mean by that? Well, most of us were around in 1980. In 1980, 15% of Americans were obese. Today, it's over 45%. So think about that. We have three times more obese people today. And is that because... Uh, we've lost discipline or somehow we have less self-control than people did when Ronald Reagan was in office? And my answer to that is no. But what, it, what has changed is our environment. Uh, we, uh, there are 20 times more fast food restaurants than there were in 1980. Over 50% of every retail outlet in America, from where you get your uh, tires changed to where you buy your diabetes medicine, force you through a gauntlet of uh, soda pops and sugar-sweetened uh, candies and chips. And, you know, we are genetically hardwired to crave fat, crave salt, and crave sugar. Uh, and, but historically, uh, through evolution, we lived in an environment of scarcity and hardship. And now we live in this toxic food environment that just pushes these ultra-processed, meaty, cheesy foods in our faces and it, it's our discipline, it, it overwhelms discipline, it overwhelms our ability to make good choices. And what we do in the Blue Zone Challenge is at least help you set up your immediate environment so the choices are positive. You know, listening to you, I'm probably going to date myself, but I've lived through the time when the things you mentioned, going out for fast food or something, that was a treat. That wasn't the norm. So, you know, I, I think it's probably going to be reclaiming some of those things back, cooking meals and, and you know, reclaiming the things that our parents did. So you make a really good point. Uh, people in blue zones, they treated themselves. They had festivals and on Sunday after church, they they ate some meat, but on average, they're eating meat only five times uh, a month. Uh, sweets for resolve for, for special occasions. You know, we eat 1,100 meals a year. And what I uh, submit to people in the Blue Zone Challenge is treat yourself 100 of those meals. But the 1,000 other meals where you're just getting up in the morning, getting food in your belly or powering through the day, that let me help you engineer those those thousand meals that we aren't all that important so that they're 15 or 20% healthier. And you'll live longer because of that. If you're eating a whole food plant-based diet, you can expect to live about six more years than eating the standard American diet. And those years should be without disease. Dan, many of us go from one diet to another, especially this time of year when we start out strong, but before long we fizzle out and tend to fall back to our old patterns. But what you're challenging us to do is to enact change that is more sustainable. Yeah, it's not a lifestyle. It's, it's a, how to shape your surroundings. So we know, I know I've worked for National Geographic. I've done the research. The most successful diets uh, ever invented fail for 97% of people within two years. And I've learned from studying longevity now for 20 years that there's no short-term fix. You have to be doing the right thing and avoiding the wrong thing for decades to avoid getting heart disease and diabetes and cancer, these diseases that over 85% of Americans have right now. So what the Blue Zone Challenge does is it marshals in about 30 evidence-based ways for you to set up your home, your kitchen, your bedroom, your work life, your social life, which is very important. We can talk about that. And to sense your internal life so that the healthy choice is the default. And you don't have to... Take the Blue Zones Challenge, put four weeks into it, we'll take you by the hand, and after that you can forget about it. How did the tests that you include in the book help us change? 
So uh, let me tell you something for sure. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So with Blue Zone Challenge, we have a QR code there that will take you uh, right to a sophisticated algorithm called the True Vitality Test that will calculate your life expectancy and tell you exactly, diagnose you and tell you what you could be doing to live longer. And then it'll help, help you set up your environment. Uh, you know, and, and not, you, people used to think that weighing yourself was a bad idea. Not true. We know that, uh, especially women, but it works for men too, who step on a scale every day. After uh, five years, they weigh about 12 pounds less than people who don't step on a scale. So part of the Blue Zone Challenge is to put a bathroom scale in your bathroom, in your way, so you're stepping on it every day. Can you share with us a few of your favorite recommendations from the book? Yeah, this is going to be counterintuitive and it's going to seem hard, but let me tell you, it's the best thing you can do. We know that you're, if your three best friends are obese or overweight, there's about a 150% better chance that you'll be overweight yourself. So the Blue Zone Challenge takes you through a process, and if this is hard for people in the middle age, middle ages to uh, find, uh, we call it a Blue Zone buddy, or the Okinawa's called a Moai, a small group of people who will take the challenge with you. And if you proactively bring people in your immediate social circle whose idea of recreation is walking or playing pickleball, who care about you on a bad day, uh, who naturally eat plant-based food and know how to make it delicious, that is measurably contagious. And because friends tend to be long-term adventures, they have a long-term influence on you, and we know that's measurable, uh, that's one of the best health strategies you can make, though, instead of starting a new diet, uh, we want you to make a new friend or uh, enrich in a friendship that you already have and take this Blue Zone Challenge with them. And Dan, we've been talking about the positive things we can be doing, but what are some of the no-nos? What are some of the things we should learn to avoid? So in the Blue Zone Challenge, we have uh, the four foods you should always have on hand and the four foods you should never have on hand. So we're not saying you can't treat yourself out of the house, but you take care of about 70% of the problem if you're not bringing junk food into your house. And the worst offenders are, number one, soda pops. Sugar-sweetened beverages, the biggest source of, of um, uh, refined sugar in the American diet. And I hate to say that also includes fruit juices, not good for you, and, um, uh, and these sort of power drinks. The second food is uh, processed meat, your lunch meats, your hot dogs, your bratwurst, et cetera. The World Health Organization puts those in the same category as cigarettes as a known carcinogen. Um, packaged sweets, not to say that you shouldn't uh, treat yourself once in a while, just don't bring those into your house. And then finally, uh, salty chips, uh, even potato chips. Which I'll admit to you right now, I eat potato chips, but potato chips are um, most highly associated with obesity. So... Uh, you want to step out to a friend's house or enjoy, you know, a small bag of potato chips every now and again, do it outside your house. It'll make a big difference, and it doesn't require willpower if you can't reach them. You know, sometimes we feel like there are so many things that are outside of our control, but what you're teaching us is that we have tremendous power over the way we live. Every person listening right now has control over their kitchen, and Blue Zone Challenge gives you a dozen ways to set up your kitchen so you mindlessly consume uh, 150 fewer calories every day, and the calories you do eat will be healthier. Uh, you know, with this pandemic, people are coming home. They're not eating in restaurants as, more, as much. And one of the most powerful things you and your family can do this January 1st is to take a plant-based cookbook. You know, I wrote the Blue Zone Kitchen, but there's lots of other really, and I have recipes in, in the Blue Zone Challenge, but there's lots of other good ones. Page through it, identify a half a dozen recipes you think that your family would like and learn how to make those. Once you find that healthy plant-based food tastes good to you, I don't need to tell you it's gonna make you live longer. You're gonna to wanna to eat it because it's cheap, uh, it's delicious, and it makes you feel much better than eating a meaty, cheesy, processed meal. We've all been through a lot with the pandemic and many people have been looking for ways to boost their immune system. What you're teaching has the added benefit of doing that. I wrote a story for National Geographic not long ago on the uh, diet of longevity. And one of the biggest findings is that our microbiome, those hundred trillion bacteria in our gut, which weigh, by the way, about eight pounds, 
they provide something for us called short-chain fatty acids, which uh, keep our immune systems finely tuned. It mutes inflammation and even makes our, our mood better. The only thing those healthy bacteria consume is fiber. And the standard American diet, your pizzas and burgers and pizzas have little or no fiber. The Blue Zone diet shows you how to make healthy, uh, fiber-rich food absolutely delicious. They're mostly soups and stews. You don't even realize you're, you're getting the best supplements in the world by eating a hearty bowl of, of uh, my Sardinian minestrone, for example. The book is The Blue Zones Challenge, a four-week plan for a longer, better life. Dan, where can our listeners go to get more information about you and your work? Well, the book, you can get it on Amazon.com. It's uh, the third best-selling book in America right now. And I love it when people uh, follow me on Instagram. I'm at Dan Buechner. And if anybody has questions, I answer everyone personally. So at Dan Buechner. And Dan, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? If you want to be healthier or happier this year, don't try to change your behavior because you'll fail in the long run. Change your surroundings. And the Blue Zone Challenge will help you do just that. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a pleasure having you on the show. It's an honor. Thank you. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you feel lost on your journey to health and happiness? Then let us guide you on your path. Personalized actions towards health. Your path is a series of choices you act on every day. We guide you on a personalized journey of dietary, exercise, genetic, supplement, and lifestyle choices that lead you to optimal health and happiness. Often taking the road less traveled leads to liberation. Your path is personal. Your journey, like you, is unique. Take action today. Head to bestpathforme.com. Again, that's bestpathforme.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. It's time for To Your Health. Joining us today is Eileen Lashinsky, the founder and creator of Fine Body Freedom, a program developed for women who want to change their relationship with their bodies. For over three decades, Eileen battled with her own issues with body image, weight, and her relationship with food. After trying every diet on the market, she realized that the answers to her struggles were right inside her body. Since then, Eileen has been working with women to guide them to discover their own innate body wisdom and to find body freedom. Welcome, Eileen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joan. I'm so glad to be here. Eileen, it's the start of a new year when many people are trying to change everything about themselves. They're starting diets, they're promising to work out more, they're making resolutions about things because they're not happy with themselves. So we tend to drive ourselves crazy, particularly at this time of year. How do you believe we can begin on the long and winding road to self-acceptance? Well, it is a long and winding road. And so how do we start? Firstly, let me say that those resolutions that you're talking about statistically last about two weeks, maybe at most a month. And then gym membership goes down. People stop their dieting because it's not working or it's not in keeping with their lifestyle for whatever reason. So the point being, let's not do that in the first place as we enter into the new year. Uh, That would be a wonderful, wonderful place to start by stopping that behavior, which is only short-lived One of the things that I've made a point to do over the last, oh, I'm going to say at least 15 years, is to do a whole new set of or a whole new kind of New Year's resolution. I'm looking at uh, how I can be a better human being, a better friend, a better wife, how I can be more loving, how I can open my heart more to whatever I, for whatever needs opening. So 
I, I would say that, that also every year, instead of making those kinds of the old New Year's resolutions about diet and exercise, maybe we look at our values, our beliefs, about how we want to uh, be better in the world, whether it's a little bit more patience, a little bit more kindness. And I, I would say that um, because I think that that's really important, far more important than uh, losing a few pounds that more often than not we gain back or, you know, going to the gym 24-7. Well, and I think, Eileen, when we work on the inside and we start to love ourselves more and we value ourselves, I think the weight issue and, and all the external things, in a way, they, they tend to fall into place because you feel, when you feel better about yourself, you want to exercise or eat right. So it really is an inside job. I totally agree with you. I do. It's part of the problem with our culture. We think we can change our inside by fixing the outside of us. Right. And it's absolutely the opposite. I am so in agreement with what you just said. When we fix the inside or we change or we polish up the inside, the outside takes care of itself because you're right. We feel so much better about ourselves. We don't need food for emotional support. We don't need food to tamp down our feelings about things we're not supposed to express. We feel better about our bodies. We feel better about ourselves. And the inside and the outside um, become harmonious. And that requires us to accept and love all parts of ourselves, even the things that we view as quote-unquote flaws. Totally agree. Totally agree. And part of my journey has been, and I teach this to women and guide them to do this, is to learn to um, take a look at who we are, inside and out, to look at and to learn how to love the good, the bad, and the ugly, as I'm quoting uh, Clint Eastwood now, uh, to <laughs> look at our beauty and our flaws and the beauty we we want to applaud and we want to smile as we go go out of the house this morning i see a woman I, my husband and i do a power walk around where we live um and um so i see the same woman every morning in her vehicle she but she waves to me every morning this morning she stopped the car and she said you have the most beautiful smile. It lights up the world. Uh, I, it was That was such a gift and such a reinforcement of what we're talking about. Because I have learned to love myself, that energy, that radiance just exudes out there into the world. It was such a loving thing to have happened. And again, uh, uh, a reinforcement for what we're talking about, learning how to love ourselves so that our true essence is what we project out there. So Eileen, we've been discussing things that we should be doing. Is there a tip or strategy you can offer to help us get started on a more realistic journey? So I would say we... Um, really start learning about our bodies. Our bodies will not, cannot trick us. Our minds can. Our minds can say we're hungry. Our minds can say we're fat. Our minds can, I could go down the whole list. Our bodies are going to tell us when we're hungry and when we've had enough, when we need to sleep. Our bodies were made to move. When we take care of our bodies, we learn to love ourselves. When we, and this is in keeping with food, when we feed our souls and not with food um, and not our cravings, we learn to love ourselves because love is available to us if we are looking at ourselves. 
And I, I would also say, to be uh, very honest with you, one of the ways I think we can do this is to get a dog. Dogs teach us about unconditional love. My first dog, Sammy, taught me not only how to love him, but how to love myself. Because we lived together. He saw it all. And he loved me anyway. It was just such a wonderful reinforcement for learning how to accept myself. And the next thing I would say was, I think it's helpful to really feel good about ourselves when we have found a purpose, um, a purpose that gets our juices flowing, that our spiritual, that our, uh, our creative juices flowing, and we pursue that person. And I would also say there's a little one living inside of us, little Eileen, lives inside of me, and my guess is little Joan lives inside of Joan. And when we make, when we make peace with her, when we give her attention, when we learn to love her, that's extraordinarily helpful on this journey to self-acceptance. Uh, she has a lot to teach me. She has a lot. The little one that lives inside of us, has a lot to teach any of us. So those are the things I would say to um, uh, help us walk that path of self-acceptance and then finally to achieve a loving acceptance of who we are. Eileen, thank you so much for joining us. I think this is a wonderful way for us to start the new year, and I'm so happy that you were here to share this information with us. If you'd like to learn more about Eileen and her work, you can visit findbodyfreedom.com. And as always, to hear more from Eileen, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Eileen. Again, Eileen, thank you. Oh, it was a pleasure always, Jim. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered using medical-grade essential oils for improving your immune system? Imagine having your medicine cabinet filled with therapeutic-grade essential oils that can actually improve your health. Hi, this is Roxanne D'Angelo, a certified Reiki master. Many essential oils work directly to either fortify the immune response or eradicate the bacteria and viruses that can make us sick. Research suggests that highly concentrated essential oils also have pharmacological and immune-strengthening properties, such as antiviral, antifungal, antiseptic, and anti-inflammatory. Here are some of my favorites for building a stronger immune system. Lavender, when used before bed, can improve your sleep, a critical factor in building a strong immune system. Jasmine has been known for alleviating stress and anxiety. This is critical since studies show that ongoing stress can undermine immunity and leave us vulnerable to both everyday illnesses and chronic disease. And last, frankincense, one of my favorites, is best known for its highly effective inflammation-fighting capabilities. Are you ready to take the initiative for strengthening your own immune system by incorporating essential oils into your daily lives? If you would like more information, you can reach me on the web at crystalclearenergies.com or call 201-615-0960. The trick is to enjoy life. Don't wish away your days waiting for better ones ahead. I recently stumbled upon this quote by Marjorie Pay Hinckley. Marjorie's words got me to thinking about my life and how I've rushed most of it away, not being fully present or savoring the joy of any moment. Hi, this is Joan Herman here with a lesson learned while earning my PhD in life. Don't wish away your days waiting for better ones. When I was a teenager, I couldn't wait to grow up so I could drink or go to college or even get married. When my children were infants and toddlers, I muddled through most days in anticipation of the evening when they would go to sleep, and I thought about when they would be older and more self-sufficient. When I was the caregiver for my parents, I struggled through those years frazzled and exhausted. When I held job positions that were unfulfilling, I wished for the day that I would find employment that made me happy. Looking back, I can't recall one period in my life in which I wasn't looking ahead to something different or better. The sad thing is that it took tremendous loss to wake me up. The loss of my marriage, the deaths of my parents and siblings, my children growing up and moving on with their lives. Now, I strive to live in the present moment. All those quotes about leaving the past behind and not worrying about the future are so true. When you live in the past or try to anticipate the future, you miss the here and now. So what can you do? 
When you're dealing with a challenge, look for the positive and learn from the experience. If you're caring for a sick loved one, treasure every minute because I promise you one day you would give anything to nurse that person again. If your children are driving you crazy, remember that sooner than you'll like, they will be moving out and starting their own lives. All the seemingly insignificant moments, both good and bad, are, as Paul Anka said, the times of your life. Enjoy them all. Thank you for spending this time with me. For more inspiration and empowering tools, visit joanherman.com. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. My next guest, Elizabeth Miles Graham, experienced sexual harassment and discrimination when she was working at a Wall Street firm. She is here today to share her story and to offer support for others who have gone through a similar experience. Elizabeth is the author of the book, You Know What They Say. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Joan. Thank you very much. So, Elizabeth, this is such a brave story that you shared in your book and and that you're here to share with us today. It's going to change so many lives. So let's start off by talking about what happened to you. Tell us about the harassment and the discrimination that you experienced. So what happened uh, initially were some, you know, small sort of inappropriate things like comments about, you know, what I was wearing. And a lot of times I just kind of laughed it off. You know, I didn't, I was a little embarrassed and uncomfortable, but I, you know, I just kind of chalked it up to, okay, this is typical. This is normal. Uh, You know, I have no need to get so upset about it. Um, But what happened was it progressed. It progressed to Um, actual physical um, assault, sexual assault with forceful touching. Um, It uh, progressed to very aggressive dating proposals. Um, Everything was uh, inappropriate all along, but the level of inappropriateness grew uh, bigger and bigger as as time went on. Um, And it was, like I said, from things, comments about what I was wearing to um, trying to ask me out on dates repeatedly and then being told, you know, I'm wrong for passing up a guy like me. And, you know, uh, and it was all, uh, for more than just one man that I worked with actually. And they were all senior to me. Mm -hmm. Did you tell anyone what happened? Um, it took me a long time. Um, was, I was ashamed and embarrassed. Mm -hmm. I, sort of looked at it as my fault, you know. Um, I let these men do this to me. I allowed it to go on. I allowed it to progress. Um, so there was a lot of shame around uh, why I didn't say anything initially. Um, there was also the aspect of um, some business of mine that was taken away from me, and thus I was penalized financially for it. Um, so I felt really stupid, for lack of a better word. I just, you know, I thought I was helping the group out by sort of letting my manager take over some of my accounts. And like I said, it was just, you know, in in retrospect, I could kick myself, of course. You know, uh, one of those cliches that I talk about in the book is hindsight is twenty twenty. It was so glaringly obvious as it was happening, but not to me. So it took me a while to say something. And when I finally did, um, it only resulted in the firing of one person. That's when the uh, retaliation began for what I had done, because I did take it to the director of our group. Was that the acceptable climate in your company? And with everything that we've learned over the past few years, has anything changed there? So it's interesting that you do bring that up. You know, a lot of my grief and agony about what happened to me um, was because I felt like I could have done more. I, I, you know, my intention was to pave the way sort of at the firm and maybe even in the financial industry or the Wall Street industry. You know, I'm not 100 percent sure what goes on at other firms. I knew what went on at my firm. Um, But and keep in mind, this was 
you know, over 15 years ago. So it's my hope. I don't know firsthand, but it is my hope that those sort of climates within these firms are changing because of the Me Too movement. Organizations are being formed to help change these laws. It's very different than than what it was um, back in the day. Yeah. Elizabeth, you said that you felt like it was all your fault. Have you since learned that you did nothing wrong, that this had nothing to do with you? Um, Yes, actually, I have uh, since then. Uh, During the time, unfortunately, I didn't. Um, But it took a lot of therapy, uh, recovery, um, and I do talk about that in in the book uh, because, you know, we do hear some stories you know, arising from the Me Too movement about women being harassed and making complaints, getting retaliated against, you know, very similar to my story. But we don't often hear about the mental and physical well-being of these women after the dust settles. So I certainly do feel now that I did nothing wrong. Yes. Um, But it did it did take a lot to get to that point. I mean, I didn't even see myself as courageous or brave as this was happening. What would you say to someone who's listening to you right now, who is feeling the way you felt all those years ago, that's experiencing something similar and is wondering what she did to bring that behavior on? She's questioning what she may have done wrong. I say wholeheartedly and with every ounce of my being, you did nothing wrong. It makes me emotional to think about that there are women in pain right now. Um, But you are not alone. You are not wrong. This isn't about you. This is something bigger. And I encourage these women, once they understand that, once they're not ashamed of what happened to them, that they seek help. And that's why, Elizabeth, if I may interrupt for a moment, that's why it's so important that you're here today and that you wrote this book and that you're sharing this story because people, they can see themselves in you, certain people, and they can see that you've been able to heal and that you're moving forward and that there is hope. It was my intention um, when I did revisit this book. Um, And when I say revisit, uh, because I had written this, you know, about 15 years ago, as a part of my therapy, my therapist thought it would be a good idea to get it out of, you know, I had a tendency to internalize. Like I said, I felt the shame. I was embarrassed. Um, So I got it out on paper and it was just part of my therapy. And so when the Me Too movement happened, I thought, wow, I certainly am not alone. And wow, maybe there is someone out there who could benefit from hearing my story so that they feel less alone, even if that's the bare minimum they take from this. You know, even if they don't have, you know, the I hope they have the resources and I want to spread that word. I don't want it to be that they only just feel less alone and that they feel like they can't do anything else. So, Elizabeth, if someone is going through an experience like this, what should he or she do? What What do you wish you had done all of those years ago? Well, I wish that I didn't live with it as long as I had. I wish I didn't cross my fingers and hope it was going to change and figure itself out. There are more and more organizations, um, part of the government, part uh, nonprofit organizations um, that are out there and Social media can actually really help. There are a lot of really good people you can follow in this um, sort of arena that can help and give hope. That's the important thing. Um, Don't give up. You don't, you know, you don't have to live this way. I wish that some of these resources were around back when I was going through this. I might have, or even just the conversation about it in our in our world today, if there was more conversation and it was more out in the open, like since the Me Too movement, um, I wish that we had that more uh, uh, back when I was going through this. How has what you've experienced impacted your life? You know, I initially, 
initially when it first happened, you know, I slipped into a pretty serious depression and I alienated myself from my from my family and friends. But once, um, you know, I went through the proper treatment, I got the proper help, I went through therapy extensively. What I then felt was sort of at peace with what happened. I can't change it, but I can look back on it and use it going forward. It will always be a part of me, this experience. I can't just close my eyes and, and, and forget about it because it helped mold the women, the woman that I've become. Um, I'm a little bit stronger in my beliefs and my actions. Um, I don't settle when things are unfair. I sort of look for a way to acknowledge what's happening and make change. And whether it's uh, with a friend or a family member or my next job, you know, it, it impacts you for life in different ways, but it never leaves you. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, I said in the beginning that what you wrote about and what you've shared so openly and honestly will change so many lives. And and I'm so sorry for what you experienced, but I think that you're going to help a lot of women. That's my hope, Joan. I really, really hope that, that that is the case. So again, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Joan. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you suffer with heel pain? Hi, I am Dr. Anant Joshi, a podiatrist from Woodland Park, New Jersey, practicing at Advanced Foot Care of NJ LLC. According to the American Board of Foot and Ankle Surgery, plantar fasciitis is the most common cause of heel pain. The condition occurs when the plantar fascia on the bottom of the foot becomes inflamed. This ligament is responsible for supporting the foot's arch. Risk factors include being obese, having a very high arch, having tight calf muscles, and participating in activities that create stress on the heel bone. Activities such as running, jumping, certain workout routines. Most people can manage plantar fasciitis with at-home treatment. Resting the foot and applying ice can reduce inflammation. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs such as ibuprofen or naproxen can help with pain management. Stretching the muscles of the leg thoroughly before and after physical activity, as well as throughout the day, may help to reduce the heel pain. Wearing supportive shoes as well as custom-molded orthotics can also help relieve the heel pain. If an individual's plantar fasciitis does not get better with these treatments, see a podiatrist for further treatment options. In today's medical world, there are several non-surgical options available to get rid of plantar fasciitis permanently. If you would like more information or to schedule an appointment, please visit our website, footpainnj.com. We all want to live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining us today is Linda Mitchell, a certified transition coach, reinvention expert, and speaker who empowers people that are stuck, overwhelmed, or ready for change to release the struggle, gain clarity, and evolve to their highest purpose as they move through life's challenges and transitions. Linda is here today to discuss the big benefits of embracing imperfection. Welcome, Linda. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me back, Joan. Linda, I really like this topic today because... So many of us, all we do is spend our time trying to hide, mask, and get rid of what we believe mm. to be our imperfections. And it's so easy, especially with social media and the messaging from all types of media, to get caught up in the idea that perfection is our ultimate goal. So I want to talk to you about this today because I just think that you know, we need to move away from that. And as you say, we need to learn to embrace our imperfections. Can you explain to us some of the reasons why you believe we need to do this? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. There's really more pressure than ever before to get things perfectly polished in every part of our lives, right? We have gadgets and apps and advice on how to be your very best in every circumstance. But it's such an illusion. 
why are we constantly striving for this unattainable goal of perfection? Yep, it's great to set the bar high, to go after goals and challenges and to stretch yourself, but you can't expect to be great at everything all the time, no matter how hard you try. So instead, I'd really like to offer some of the reasons that I encourage people to embrace imperfection. And the first reason is you get a happiness boost when you stop trying to be perfect. People who always shoot for perfection tend to carry a lot of emotional baggage from always trying to look as though their entire world is 100% wonderful all the time. They're also at a higher risk for depression and anxiety because they hardly ever are content with what they have or with what they've achieved. So I invite people to embrace reality, the messy, flawed parts of yourself and your life, because when you do, you will be happier, healthier, and way less stressed. And the second reason, you'll actually become a nicer person to be around. If you're comfortable with imperfection, you won't be so quick to judge or criticize others when they show their humanness and their imperfect selves. No one likes to be judged or be made to feel badly. Embracing imperfection means that you'll cut people more slack. This makes your relationships more enjoyable and rewarding. And you know what? When you practice demanding less perfection from others, hopefully you learn to cut yourself some slack too. So you're nicer to others and nicer to yourself. And then here's the third important reason. You'll inspire others. And here's what I mean by that. Despite all the noise around us to be perfect, when others around you see that you're okay with imperfection, you're okay with the ebb and flow of life, and you stop creating drama all around you from wanting things to be just right, people will naturally feel more comfortable with their own flaws. You'll inspire them to do their best, but not beat themselves up for not being perfect. It's important, for example, for your kids to see that you want to be around them for who they are, despite their weaknesses. When you take the pressure of perfection off of others, they're free to be their true selves and go after their dreams. And that is inspiring. Linda, I saw a quote recently, and I can't remember the exact wording, but it went something like this. The, the very thing that you hate about yourself is the thing that someone else envies or loves about you. And so, you know, I, I just think we're so critical of ourselves. And, and you just laid out some really great reasons why we should embrace our imperfections. But what are some of the benefits for ourselves when we do so? Ooh, yeah, there's so many, but I think maybe I'll just talk about what I consider to be the top two most important ones. First and foremost is that you stop fearing failure so much. Fear of failure is one of the greatest impediments to personal growth, to taking calculated risks, to trying things outside of your comfort zone. But you see, accepting imperfection means failure shrinks back down to simply being just another part of life. Perfectionists tend to take failure very personally, right? To them, it's kind of catastrophic and it defines their sense of self. They don't allow themselves to make mistakes without harsh personal judgment. But accepting that to make mistakes is simply human means that you see failure as simply an opportunity to grow, learn, and course correct as you continue to move forward with more wisdom. You know, most successful people are not afraid to fail. They're not afraid to prevent their imperfect selves. And that leads to the second most important tangible benefit. Your self-esteem grows naturally. People who accept their shortcomings and quirks are less likely to be so hard on themselves when blunders do happen. When you can acknowledge your humanity and your messiness, you're less likely to feel guilty or ashamed when you make a mistake or you don't reach your intended goal as quickly as you want to. You're much more able to give yourself some grace and keep forging forward with a new plan and a positive attitude. Okay, so we've talked about the importance of why we should embrace our imperfections, but how do we do this? So the first step is to really be conscious of our thoughts and begin to catch ourselves being judgmental and hard on ourselves. Perhaps you start by being less critical and judgmental of others and then begin to apply that kindness to yourself. Take a moment to tune into your self-talk. Pay attention to the words you're using. And if you're saying things to yourself that you wouldn't say to your best friend, then intentionally choose more positive, self-affirming language. Next, recognize that it's your uniqueness that makes you special and makes you who you are. How boring would it be if we all had the same talents, opinions, and interests? So embrace the parts of 
of you that are different or imperfect by switching up how you see things. Instead of focusing on differences and seeing them as flaws, choose to see how it makes you unique and special. Resist the temptation to see differences and mistakes as wrong or right. That's so limiting. Some of the best inventions were born of mistakes. And finally, make a list of all your amazing qualities and talents, right? Sometimes you have to really think about this. Things that friends and family have complimented you for. When you're feeling vulnerable or, or you're tempted to criticize yourself for an oversight, stop and remind yourself of all the good qualities you possess. Try to think of one or two positive things that can come from the misstep. The truth is, some mistakes turn out to be the best thing that could have ever happened. I can think of a few of those in my own life. And mistakes are always an opportunity to learn more about yourself, others, and the situation at hand. We learn from mistakes, and that's a really positive part of embracing our imperfections. Linda, thank you so much for joining us today. We really need to stop being so hard on ourselves, so I'm really happy that you were here to give us this wonderful reminder. If you would like to learn more about Linda and her work, you can visit livinginspiredcoaching.com, or as always, to hear more from Linda, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Linda. She wants to be home with her friends, but at this moment, she's fighting a brain tumor. Please take a moment and join St. Jude in finding cures and saving children. Visit stjude.org. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember, the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.